Suji gang, Suji gang, Suji gang, Suji gang, Suji gang, Suji gang. Some of you don't know the name, Tooch. but that's that guy from the Hunger Games. Tooch. Transformers, the last night. Tooch. Beauty and the Beast and Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Standing Stanley Tucci. What? Welcome, welcome back to the Tooch Lovers Society. Uh, joining yes. our ranks. Um, we, we welcome all new viewers, uh, and, and we look forward to your feedback. Uh, <laughs> we want to talk today about uh, a cult classic film that, uh, well, we wouldn't say stars Stanley Tucci, but he is the, the shining beacon in the background. <laughs> yeah, this is, I would, this is certainly his first uh, meaty film role, you know, because he got... He, we, he got some some meat and some chunk and some... Some beef and cheese. Yeah, in uh, Miami Vice. And now we're on to, to the silver screen. And uh, he's got... He's got some screen time here. He's, he's got, got like, a whole He's got some screen character. time in the George Romero cult classic Monkey Shines, which is yes. the, the horror movie with the monkey, basically. It's the only one. Uh, so that's how you can recognize it if you see it on the shelf. <laughs> it's incredible, this movie. I really highly recommend it as, like, a fun kind of, like, B-movie watch almost. That That's my general take on this. Right. It's a, it's a B-movie by a big studio and a really classy, uh, you know, horror director just doing silliness. Just doing... Just doing craziness. I love it. Oh, it's it's all, pardon the pun, bananas. Um, <laughs> there is literally a scene where someone, like, finds a banana peel in their slipper and is, like, horrified by it. And it's, like, played straight. It's it's quite an incredible film. What what really makes this movie shine for me... Shine? To, <laughs> that makes it monkey shine for me <laughs> is that the first half of the movie could be easily mistaken for, like... Uh, like Beethoven, which is also starring Stanley Tucci. Uh, but you know, it could be, it could be any you know family comedy or heartwarming movie, like Oscar-y type movie. The the genre of this film feels like it shifts every like twenty minutes. It's very all over the place. Right to romance to comedy. Yeah, to overcoming adversity story to uh, to horror to. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's very, it's very strange. <laughs> also, there are just like a million and a half subplots in this movie that have no bearing on the main plot and like exist for like five minutes of screen time and that are just never talked about again. Yeah. It was not well received at the time, which of course I'm not surprised at <laughs> uh, because I think that the idea is if you see the trailer, it's just... A trailer for a horror movie that has a monkey in it. And monkeys are not scary. I mean, you can make monkeys scary. That's the whole Planet of the Apes business these days, is making the CGI Well, those are giant apes. Yeah. This is a monkey. This is a little cutesy little monkey. I mean, listen, little capuchin monkeys do rip people's faces off in real life, but that is not why the monkey is scary in this one. But I don't think that they're inherently scary. Right. What makes the, the movie terrifying in places is 
the way that it takes everything away, every line of defense away from the main character. He yeah. is isolated in his home, away from, like, all the people who care about him. <laughs> that the monkey systematically takes out. Right. All of his defense systems, all of his uh, technology that he uses to, uh, you know, to live his life. And so he's reduced to, uh, you know, just a man in a chair who can't protect himself from this homicidal monkey. It's like misery. It is a if, little like misery. If Kathy Bates was a monkey, it's exactly <laughs> misery. <laughs> like, it's 100% misery. Um, complete with the romantic uh, obsession. Yeah, like, the monkey is definitely in love with the main character. Right. And here's my reasoning for why I think that is. The, the reason that the monkey is smart or whatever is because the main character's best friend had this monkey at a lab and was injecting it with, like, the brain, uh, like, the chopped-up brain of, like, a human woman. Right. And so, like, of course, you know, it makes the girl monkey go crazy with feelings because it's a lady brain. <laughs> you can't help a lady brain. Right. <laughs> um, so do you want to, like, uh, start going through the actual plot so we can get very quickly to the Tucci of it all? Yeah. Because uh, he's right there in the beginning. Yes. Tucci comes in so fast. Like, boom. Second, third character on screen is, like, yep. Tucci. So we start with our main character, whose name I forget. Alan. Alan. Alan Mann. Because he's a man, you know? <laughs> he's a man. The names are very, like, evocative in this. There's a lot of T and A in this movie, too. It is a horny movie. It's a very horny movie. It's It opens with... Him and his girlfriend, Linda, butt-ass naked in a bed. And then cuts to him doing, like, naked calisthenics in front of a window. Yeah. And it's like, I gotta give the movie some props on its female gaziness. Because, like... Yes. That, it's, it's, it's very nice. Like, we definitely open on that ass. But then, <laughs> like... You know, we we get the whole man. <laughs> right. And we don't we know so little about this guy at, at first. We we see that he runs with a backpack full of cinder blocks. Yes. And he like knows all of his he like knows all of his neighbors and he, like gives somebody a high five. He's like beloved in his community. Yeah. So this is all we know. And then bam, a dog chases him into the street and he's hit by a truck. Yep. And all of his cinder blocks come crashing to the ground. It's a beautiful it's very shot. Very dramatic. It's very dramatic. <laughs> and so we end up in the the hospital and we find out that he is now, uh, well, we see, then we see Stanley Tucci. The Tucci is introduced. Right. He's a doctor in this one. That is the, it's literally, he just, he bursts in, in full scrubbed, scrubbed out, completely sterile. Yeah. Uh, you know, ready to operate. He's, he's coming in, he's coming in hot. Coming in hot. And, you know, he immediately pulls up some x-rays and like, all right, we've got this, this is broken and that's going on. We've got a 5C. Someone hand me a scalpel. Right. He, he does the doctor babble. But importantly, also, in addition to the doctor babble, he has, you know, one-liners. He's got... Yeah. He's got jokes. He does got jokes. He's got the, he's got the jokes. His name is Dr. John Wiseman. Yeah. Which, he's of a course, Wiseman. following the trend of evocative names, right? He's a wise man. He's a wise ass. Yeah. He's, you know, and he's a duck. He's slimy. <laughs> this is another kind of slimy role. For, for the tooch. Right. It, it's setting him up early. So, yeah, he comes in, he's like, oh, oh my God, Martha, his ass is even hairier than yours. Right. 
You know, he's, like, making jokes. Just stealing the scene. It's great. And then, yeah, so, turns out the guy's a quadriplegic, but, you know, they're still kind of like, you saved his life. He would have died without you, Doc. But then we very quickly find out Stanley Tucci is cucking the main character. He stole his (laughs) girlfriend. Right. We don't find it out in in totally explicit terms uh, immediately. It's kind of subtle. No, but it's really implied. No, it is, but it's it's a little subtle. You know, (laughs) you see uh, his girlfriend, like, hiding, like, a negligee or something or she's packing up her stuff to leave him basically i don't know she like she like smells the robe i think because it's like got cologne on it or something but then and and then uh you know when stanley tucci comes in which of course i guess this is the kind of doctor who just you know always shows up to his patients houses when they're released from his care yeah (laughs) uh he just shows up at the house to meet the mother and then go immediately goes over to the girlfriend and and is like you know how are you how are you doing how are you holding up and she's like very awkward about him like um i should go make him a drink <laughs> right and then he you, he, you see him looking lasciviously yeah. at her off screen yeah he does the you know the, the pervy lean where he's like damn girl it's it's very it's evocative <laughs> yeah, very evocative <laughs> yeah uh so you know our main character comes home we're introduced to his mother to his nurse who's gonna take care of him who's you know at first is just very overbearing but then like becomes just like an abusive care professional who you know lets her bird loose in the house to like peck at her patient's face and berates him for gaining independence through this monkey and she's like weirdly jealous of the monkey or something like none of it really makes any sense she says she calls it unnatural yeah it's like how unnatural the relationship between man and beast but like i will give that nurse some credit they play the relationship up so that it really seems like it's a romantic relationship. Like, it is a little unnatural. Um, but yeah, so basically... Um, I, I, do, I don't want to leave Tucci just oh, yet. Yeah. I want we'll to make sure that we completely cover our Tucci. Yeah. Because that is the nature of this pod. He drives one of the nicest cars. He looks damn good in that suit. He is the doctor that everyone imagines they would be if they would be a doctor. You yeah. know, very well paid, very well respected in his field. But also, like laying out jokes and he's the only one at that party who seems to be concerned about alan's mental health yes his professor is like can he get back to work very quickly and then he's like well would he even want to you know is the question very concerned about his patient's mental health but still fucking we find his out girlfriend that, <laughs> but still fucking his girlfriend so maybe he has more of an insight into that he would be <laughs> depressed but uh, at, at least he cares uh, yeah. on the surface. Yeah. So should we talk about the the experiments and the the Jeffrey of it yeah, all? Yeah, the Jeffrey of it all it makes almost no sense. We're just like randomly told suddenly that he has this like best friend who does testing something on monkeys. We find out it's injecting them with human brains to try to make them smart. Duh, that's how that works. If you just inject brain into a monkey thigh. Yeah, they just like take a frozen brain and like shave it and then blend it and then inject it into the monkey's like foot. So it's like... Uh, But yeah, that's what makes our monkey so smart. But it doesn't work on any of the other monkeys for some reason. 
And this is never explained. Well, it's always different formulas and different amounts of the different formulas and whatnot. But, but then he tries doing, like, the same formula and, like, it, it doesn't seem to work. Well, we don't actually see the, the impact of that. Because, as it turns out, there was actually a scene that was cut from the ending. Oh! Uh, but we'll get to that. Dang. <laughs> I This will be a fun learning experience for me because <laughs> I didn't know about the cut scene. Yeah, I couldn't find the cut scene online to send it to you, but I'll, I'll describe it uh, as it was described to me. I can't wait. So yeah, he he notices that his friend is very sad, and then his friend, the, the main character, Alan, tries to kill himself. Um, and Jeffrey finds him. And so he decides that he's going to go find a monkey specialist who trains monkeys to help... This is how he responds to his friend's attempted suicide. I'd just like to reiterate. I mean, it's very strange, but at the same time, like, it does help him regain some feeling of autonomy. So, you know, I I definitely... (laughs) Thumbs up, question mark? I don't know. Right, he's upset that his wife has left him. And that he's no longer an athlete, he can no longer, you know, run around with cinder, bro- cinder blocks. Right. And the response is, well, here's a monkey who can make you toast. And turn pages for you, and do lots of other things. But, you That's know, true. I'd love a monkey Very that true. could be my friend <laughs> and do things for me. I'm not against it. Uh, it's interesting, I was just re-watching Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Um, and there's an episode where one of their neighbors got into an accident uh-huh. and uh, and he does get a monkey and the monkey tries to kill him in, in increasingly ridiculous ways. So oh my gosh. Maybe this had more cultural impact than we than we realized? Maybe, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, finds this woman who runs a, a monkey farm, I guess, training yeah. monkeys to assist, <laughs> like, paraplegic and quadriplegic people. He's like, if I provide a monkey, will you train it? And she's like... I guess. All right. <laughs> Sounds too good to be true, but okay. So he does. He gives her the smart monkey and keeps secretly injecting it with the brain fluid. But the, it's interesting because there's a lot of like conflicting motivations with Jeffrey. Yeah. You know, on the one hand, he's got, you know, his experiments, which he wants to succeed because he thinks it's going to make him, you know, a millionaire. But then he's also dealing with, you know, his friend who's suicidal and he wants to make better. And then he also... He's got money problems because his boss is is hounding him about getting results. And so the, he has to sneak out this monkey and pretend like the monkey died from one of his injections in order to sell it under the table in order to fund his other research. So that's what's happening. But it's all baked into this one plot point of just, we need the guy to get the monkey. <laughs> So it's a lot of excessive plot. Yeah, it's very insane. It's so excessive. It's truly, truly excessive. But if if we didn't have that that aspect of it, I don't think we'd get to see uh, Stephen Root uh, in his very first film role. Uh, for those of you who don't know Stephen Root, he's currently on Barry on HBO as uh, Fuchs. Barry, the the assassin's handler. handler of sorts, his father figure and friend, and he was nominated for this role for uh, for an Emmy as as a best supporting actor, and and he he's a he's another character actor like Tucci plays Doctor Dean Burbage, and so throughout the the time they're just like oh that bastard Burbage. <laughs> There's also a lot of like very strange and unmotivated swearing that happens in this movie. Well, we'll get we'll get to that too because a lot of it is uh from alan mann yeah who is i he is being driven insane by the powers of monkey (laughs) 
Yeah, but I I like Stephen Root. Stephen Root is yeah. a is a is a favorite of mine, and uh, I would like him to be our subject for the Whomst We Also segment of this show. Whomst We Also. Is that gonna be the jingle? I don't know if I agreed to that. I'm, uh, it's it's today's jingle for Whomst We Also. <laughs> Well, okay. Whom's we also this week? Stephen Root. I, I I just really like Stephen Root. Um, I think he became most famous for his voice role on uh, on King of the Hill as uh, Bill. Uh, but he but I first encountered him in in Gravity Falls, the the Disney animated show, uh, where he played Bud Gleeful, Gideon the villain's father, who's a, a sort of huckster. He often plays a huckstery kind of uh, dad figure. He was also does a lot of voice work. Yeah. He was also Finn's dad on Adventure Time, uh, and he was uh, Boyle's dad on on Brooklyn Nine Nine, as some of you may recognize him. Yeah, so truly a storied career that is just continuing to take off in his uh, what fifties now. Yeah, he's uh, he's getting up there, but now he's getting the real serious HBO type roles. So I know. Good for him. He's come a long way since he played the bubbles loving fish on Finding Nemo. <laughs> So yeah, so we get the monkey, it gets trained, there's a lot of cute scenes of him, like, being like, I love this monkey! This monkey's great! And he, like, makes a joke about not having to worry about stepping in monkey shit, because he's in a wheelchair, (laughs) and his friend's like, he's cured! (laughs) He made a joke about being disabled! Hooray! (laughs) It's it's all very strange. He still hates his his caregiver, though. Yeah, because she sucks! She's just like very mean to him. Well, she's she's pretty terrible. She's not doesn't have very good bedside manner. No. Um and then he's 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 rediscovering love as well because uh there's Melanie the monkey farmer who is a love interest of sorts. Yeah. She she is as, as she teaches him how to uh train the monkey and get it to do what he wants. And, you know, f- at, attaches things to the, the wheelchair so that he's able to, you know, give the monkey a pellet when it does something good. Right, he gets decked out with all the technology that's going to help him in the final act. He's got the light on his wheelchair and the laser pointer. A lot of tech. He gets teched. Teched right up. But, you know, he, he starts to bond with this trainer who, you know, is not a crappy person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, you're in a wheelchair now? Sorry, I'm uh, I'm outie. All that comes later, but eventually they have a sex scene. <laughs> eventually they do have a sex scene, and uh, according There's to IMDb, titty. it's one of the very few quadriplegic sex scenes depicted on film. I would imagine. I don't think there are a lot, um, but it's very sexy. Honestly. Uh, no, but for sure. There's, uh, there's trouble brewing, of course. There is. Uh, the monkey... It sometimes disobeys him. It leaves, like you said, the banana in the slipper, the banana peel in the nurse's slipper. It knows that he doesn't like the nurse, and, you know... Right, it knows. And And at one point, it turns all the lights off and sets some mood music and then starts hugging Alan... And dancing with him. It's trying to seduce him. It's uh, it's very cute, except that it's very much played as, like, the monkey is trying to seduce this man. <laughs> the sexy monkey. Ah, uh, you sexy little minx. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so strange. Um, I've never seen a romance between a monkey and a human played this straight before. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just really Because I guess it's supposed to be horrifying, like... 
This obsessive stalker monkey. Yeah, it's a stalker monkey. But so, you know, things escalate and uh, <laughs> the nurse leaves the bird out of the cage and it starts, she has a pet bird and it starts attacking Alan's face, which like, yeah, fuck that bird. <laughs> like this man's a quadriplegic. Why would you <laughs> have a bird out of its cage where it could have? like do that right and we get we get sort of the start of uh of alan mann's overacting anger yeah which is which is get rid of that bird or so help me yeah you know he's very uh he's very an enthusiastic actor one might even yeah, say yeah a little happy because he's trying to convey that his anger is not natural it's supernatural anger but where is it coming from david where is the supernatural anger originating it's it's monkey anger it's monkey anger the power of the monkey rage (laughs) it's monkey fever (laughs) so then that night the monkey breaks out of its cage and it kills the bird and leaves it in uh the nurse's slipper and she's like this is fucked up and i hate it which like fair enough and then we also see the monkey running around outside uh but it's also in alan's mind it's in his dream he sees what she sees yeah it's um it's a a mind meld. Yeah. <laughs> this is the part of the movie that is maybe the most insane is the monkey mind meld part <laughs> cuz like nothing really explains that. Right. The idea that he's becoming more monkey than man. He's the man monkey. Right. But then the monkey's also becoming human and but for some reason he's the only one that the monkey can mind meld with. Like the friend Larry tries to to mind meld with it later. Yeah, it's but a it love doesn't bond. work. It's just like like fuck you says the writers it's this one guy that's it right uh this this begins basically the monkey murder spree section of the movie where he he, i think before that don't we don't we get like a there's more medical stuff to do with tucci we find out that tucci's the the bad doctor yeah yeah so you know he he alan comes in because he's getting a second opinion on something yeah he felt his hand move on its own and uh and so he was like, well, maybe I'm not actually, you know, maybe this paralysis was par- paralysis was was not permanent. And so he goes and sees this doctor, and the doctor's like, you know, this Wiseman guy, he was just assuming that your paralysis was from being hit by a truck, but actually, it was just a natural misalignment. <laughs> it's a congenital thing. It just like happened. Okay. <laughs> I'll buy it. All right. It's a little bit of a stretch. Like whatever. <laughs> And so he's like, I I could potentially try to do a surgery to help you regain motion. However, you know, you need to prove to me that you can intentionally move any part of your body. It doesn't have to be big. It can be very small. But, like, I need to, I need to see the intention to know that it's, it's worth it to ta- do this risky surgery. Um, and while he's there, Larry encounters Stanley Tucci, Dr. Uh, Wisecracker. <laughs> and sees the girlfriend is meeting him there for a dinner date and (laughs) it's revealed the infidelity of it all and meanwhile alan's just mad he's he calls he calls him a well he's he's talking about um alan's clinical depression and he says oh yeah well you're a a clinical cunt (laughs) that's what he says to the girlfriend which i was like damn that's a lot no he he says it to the doctor no he says that to the girlfriend he says something else he's like you're like a clinical something and then to her he says you're a clinical oh well 
I just thought that was a very, <laughs> very uh, ridiculous insult. <laughs> it's way over the top to me. It's very over the top. Um, Larry is also very <laughs> over, the, over the top. Yes, very much so. Um, but at this, after he he finds out that, that Wiseman may have screwed him over with his incompetence, that's when Alan's like, that self-satisfied son of a bitch, I'm gonna call him. And so he calls him, and then, you know, he gets a number from the receptionist. And they start saying yeah. the number, and he's and like, it's... is it this number? I know that number. And he basically <laughs> figures out that it's, like, his girlfriend's sex cabin or whatever. And so he calls them, and Stanley Tucci picks up the phone shirtless, as seen here. Ooh. Boom! Um, we get it's some very good shirtless Stanley Tucci. Still quite built. It's, I mean, you just don't, ex- you don't see it coming. It's just... It pops right out, out of nowhere. Boom, shirtless Stanley Tucci. You've only seen him in, like, a suit and in scrubs, so you don't know how cut he is. He's really He's cut. He's absolutely cut. All the men in this movie are very <laughs> cut when you, when you very see attractive. them with their Not Jeffrey. Off. No. Jeff, Jeff. Not Jeffrey. Jeffrey not, or... uh, not Babbage. Yeah. The scientists, not so much, but they're scientists. What do you want? Um... We, we want hot doctors and lawyers, obviously. Cause that's, that's the other subplot that's going on that we didn't mention because it's so pointless is Alan is, like, studying to be a lawyer. But, like, so he takes the monkey to class with him and everyone, and you know, the professor asks a question and everyone raises their hand. But, oh, Alan can't raise his hand. So the monkey raises its hand. Yes. It's, it's, like, straight out of Beethoven. It's, so... it's, like, straight out of any movie about, like, you know, a funny monkey. Right. It's like it could be, it could be, you know, uh, what is that Animal Hospital, right. that NBC show? Yeah, like it could be anything <laughs> like that. Um, fun fact, yeah. fun fact, that scene was shot on uh, on campus at Carnegie Mellon, oh, my shit. alma mater, uh, so in Pittsburgh, because yeah, George Romero lived in Pittsburgh for a while and wanted to shoot this film in Pittsburgh. There you go. It's very clearly just a shot outside of Ween Hall. You all know it. <laughs> Uh, all of my Carnegie Mellon viewers. <laughs> so, uh, very personal connection to this film. I love that. Uh, That's great. Yeah. That is a fun fact. But yeah, so the you know the monkey raises the hand and all the classmates are like, <laughs> a monkey? Ridiculous. Uh, and the professor goes, does your monkey know or do you, Mr. Man? And... <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Man. I don't know if she said Mr. Man, but she did in my version. Right, but that is his name. Um, So then he sort of is like, yeah, no, I I know it. And he gives the correct answer. And everyone in the class is like, wow, oh my God, the disabled guy knew a question. Good job. And like clap. And it's so strange. Like every part of that scene (laughs) is like bizarre. Right. But now we get to, unfortunately, Tucci's... Tucci's, Tucci's final demise, scene, where he is not even present. No, he's not even there on screen. But we know that he is there because the monkey sets them on fire, both the girlfriend and the Tucci, and they are immolated. Yeah, so they're in bed having sex, and then the monkey sneaks in a window and lights a match under the bed and just burns down the whole cabin. Like, no lighter fluid or anything, just right. a match. It's great. He he sets the place on fire, and then you see 
Alan's teeth become all monkey yeah, teeth. Yeah, for a he's moment. He's got monkey teeth. He's becoming ah, the beast. Monkey teeth. Like, just pointy eye teeth. Like, he could be becoming a werewolf. You know? Like, it's not that different. No, it's very specifically monkey teeth. They went down to the to the prosthetic teeth store and they said, we need pointy teeth, <laughs> but they have to be monkey. Ah, this movie. Um, yeah, so at this point, Alan's mom has moved back in because the nurse left. After the the bird killing right. incident, but he hates his mom because she's overbearing. She's very overbearing. So his subconscious wants to murder yeah. her. And so... well, no, no, no. What happens is uh, he goes for like a long weekend to to stay with um, the monkey trainer and has sort of like a romantic weekend away with her, but like doesn't tell his mom where he's going. I guess and. So like he gets right. back, uh, and this is where the the sex scene happens. And it's it's cutting to the monkey going oh, nuts, in yeah. Between, which I guess does reduce the sexiness <laughs> a little bit. Well, it's not in between. It's just at the very end when like everyone's like orgasming or whatever. Yeah, at the climax, like you just see the monkeys all freaking there's out. There's also monkeys going nuts. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it's very it's simultaneously on the nose, but then like so out there. <laughs> Like every part of it, bizarre choice. And that's when that's when uh, Jeffrey tries to inject himself with the stuff to try and like join their couple. Their mind meld. He tries to enter their relationship through the monkey. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> and that's that's the problem because this film is really a tirade against uh, polyamory. I guess. <laughs> But, like, is he trying to... I don't think he's trying to join the human relationship. He's trying to join, like, the monkey relationship. Well, it's all symbolic, Hannah. Okay, okay, okay. It's all symbolism. Yeah, you can't share mates in the animal kingdom. Uh, you know, polyamory right. doesn't exist in, in Because that makes you like the animal. Yeah. And as we hear, you know, what if I was an animal? That's what the devil is. <laughs> animal instinct. You know, yeah. it's a, it's very like humans versus the primitive versus technology. You know, he's like Robbie the robot. He's a mechanical man because he has a, a wheelchair. And the, the monkey is the primordial, subconscious, murderous ape in us all. <laughs> uh, so very deep themes from monkey shots. Yeah. <laughs> So deep. Do you have an alternate reading? Is that what that no, is? No, I'm just going to say yeah and leave it at that. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, so, so yeah, so this is when the real murder shit starts happening, because then the monkey, yeah. the, we get some more angry overacting from Alan. Yeah, he, he, he's just a lot of the F word, a lot of, fuck you, mom, you fucking, you, fuck you, mom. Motherfucker, <laughs> like, just really enunciated motherfucker, <laughs> and it's just like, and just like, really hitting the shh and shit, you know, like, it's all ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so then the monkey murders the mother. <laughs> the monkey drops a hair dryer into the bathtub where she is taking a bath and just straight up murders his mom. Yeah. And at that point, he's like, oh, this monkey's crazy. <laughs> Maybe the monkey's bad, <laughs> actually. And so they're like, stay, stay away, monkey. Don't, don't come back. Uh, but... It's too late. The monkey's trying to trap him in the house. Yeah, he's shutting down. She's shutting down all the power, the voice-activated doors that open, and so he can't open the doors without that. So he's stuck. He's totally stuck. And uh, you know, 
his, his Larry comes over or not Larry. What is what is what's his name? Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Jeez. <laughs> Jeffrey. No one's name matters in, in this movie. Like they're barely characters. It's just all their names are incredibly important. <laughs> Uh, so Jeffrey comes over and he's like, my lab has been raided by Burbage. Curse you. You've, you've stolen all of my monkey injecting juice and you're going to you're gonna dissect all my monkeys. No. Because that's the thing is like, it's also very anti-animal testing, but like mostly like animal dissection. Not so much like, yeah, we can inject shit right. in animals. It's, it's kind of implying that like we, you know, we should focus on on mechanical, you know, technological help. You know, we need to build Robbie's the robots. We can't we can't be trying to mess with the forces of yeah. nature. That's against the you know it's against that's against God. the rules. Although, yeah, I don't know, has George Romero ever done like a robot horror movie? Uh or maybe that's bad too. I don't know. I don't know. Please tweet at us. At Talking Tropes. Or comment if if you know if he has or not. <laughs> <laughs> well this is the point of the movie where the monkey poisons Jeffrey with a big syringe labeled poison. Is it poison or is it, like, tranquilizer? Because he's like, there was enough in there to get King Kong. No, it's poison. Like, he literally yeah, says he that line. he does say that. It is poison. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's like a vial labeled poison. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, that's when that's when he has the most overacted line, Alan yeah. does. He says, I'm the human. I can lie and be devious. Whatever it takes, fuckface. Yeah, to the monkey, he says that. To this. a monkey. <laughs> he calls the monkey fuckface, and it's the funniest line in any movie I've ever seen. It's incredible. And, and that's when the monkey, that's when the monkey sets up a romantic candlelit dinner. Yeah! She's like, I'll win you back, babe. Don't worry about it. This is fine. It's just a rough patch. Maybe this is the point, since we're talking about romantic candlelit dinners. Yeah. Is now the time that we should uh, move over to our Tucci News Yeah, segment? let's do it. Let's do some... Tucci News. Tucci News. We have a great news story for you today. Uh, because, you know, I d it's worked out really well these first three weeks that there's just been, like, actual Tucci News. That yeah. comes. We might have more trouble later on. It might not be as consistently coming out, the Tucci News. But I don't know. Tucci's on a, a roll. a great one for you tonight. It's a good one. Um... <laughs> You, you, you read the headline. All right. So this is from uh, delish.com. Uh, good news. Stanley Tucci is blessing us with a food memoir to obsess over. Stan is out here doing God's work. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever wrote this article. Yeah. Thanks, Kelly, Kelly Allen. Allen. Kelly Allen of delish.com. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be tweeting this at you. Please come on our, <laughs> come on our show. Talk come about Tucci with me. We would love to obsess over Ta Stanley Tucci with you. Um, you do mention two of his great uh, uh, food <laughs> debuts. Uh, and Julie and Julia and, um, uh, shoot, what's the other one? The, bi uh, the Big Night. Big Night. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we'd love to have you on to talk about either of those, Kelly. You're, you're, you're doing God's work, <laughs> recognizing that Tucci is doing God's work. Do so you want to, you want to start us off with just like the best opening? Yeah. Here's the first paragraph. Uh, raise your Negronis in honor of Stanley Tucci because the award-winning actor and national treasure is working on a new food memoir called Taste My Life Through no, Food. No, it's Taste My Life Through Food. <laughs> I like it better the way I said it. I know. 
Taste my life. Uh, Taste it. <laughs> Taste it in every dish. Um, yeah, no, so it's he he's continuing to publish with a uh, gallery books at Simon and Schuster. Uh, and, you know, this follows up his two other books, The Tucci Cookbook uh, from 2012 and The Tucci Table in 2014. Um, so, you know, just adding to his line of at-home how-to recipes, but this time with a little more personal flair because it's not just a cookbook, it's a food memoir. That's right, a food memoir. Joining, joining the likes of Jim Harrison's The Raw and the Uncooked Adventures of a Roving Gourmand, <laughs> or uh, Shucked, Life on a New England uh, Oyster Farm by Aaron Byers Murray. There you go. So, so these are some examples of food memoirs. It's apparently more of a thing than we knew. And, and bless it for existing, and bless the Tooch for blessing this genre with his own work. Okay, and you want to read the final yeah, paragraph no. and all the, the final paragraph is also quite incredible. Um, thank you again, Kelly. I have no doubt this book will be entertaining to consume at the very least. We've been able to count on Stan for a bit of relief not only this year, but also in years past. We must protect and support this man at all costs! <laughs> I agree. Yes. This is the energy that we here at Standing Stanley Tucci are all about. Like, please, yes. please tweet at us. At Talking Tropes. Any, uh, any other articles that you come across that have this level of just like, yes, king energy for the Tooch because we're all about it. <laughs> um. All right. So now the climax of the film. Uh, yes. The yes. Film. Which again. Does not have the tooch in it. He made his exit earlier as the first human murder victim of the monkey. Right. A graceful exit. And we can feel his strength powering Alan Mann to to kill this monkey. Uh, well, okay, so the girlfriend, the, the monkey trainer girlfriend, Melanie, shows up. Yes. But it's raining outside. And so she tries to fight the monkey. And she's almost winning. But then she trips and hits her head on a table. And so passes out and is useless. Um, and then the oh. monkey starts trying to light her on fire, but she was in the rain, you see. She's too wet for the match to take, <laughs> so the monkey can't kill her. This is where Alan has to reach in and find his inner strength and ability to, to move just a little bit to the left to turn on, <laughs> turn on the, uh, tape player. And uh, it starts playing the romantic music, and then he starts sweet-talking the monkey. He's like, baby, it's okay. They're gone. We don't need them. You just come up here and give daddy a hug. You know, babe, it'll be okay. Just come here. We can dance. It's fine. Forget about them. I love you, baby. I love you. And then the monkey goes up and, and starts to hug him around his neck again, and now we've seen his scary monkey teeth come out, and he... Bites the monkey on the neck and just starts like tearing into it like a dog. Just <laughs> yeah, just trying to snap that monkey's neck with uh, with the force of his monkey teeth. Yeah, and uh, you know manages to kill the monkey. He does it, uh, and then bumps his, his wheelchair into his girlfriend enough for her to wake up. 
Yeah. Um, and then immediate, immediate cut to. <laughs> he's going to get back surgery because now he's demonstrated that he could move on purpose, which yeah. was the only thing keeping him from getting the spine surgery. Yeah. <laughs> and then you see the doctor They go to cut into the... into the back and then all of a sudden just a fucking monkey puppet <laughs> like pops out like a, like an alien, an alien. Like it's so ridiculous. And it's just like, ah! But then, but then immediately wakes up from surgery and like, it's fine. It's done. The surgery's over. Yeah. But it was all a dream. Like the last half of this movie goes so fast. Well, it's a classic horror movie fake out jump scare. It, it reminds me a lot of uh, Friday the 13th. Yeah. Uh, that, that last jump scare of Jason jumping out of the water. Although that relates to a whole other continuity thing with that series. But it's not unheard of to have that last sort of jump scare as part of a fantasy sequence uh, yeah. in, in horror films. Then uh, the romance, because the monkey is dead, uh, yeah. the romance between Alan and uh, Melanie can, can go unhe- un- unheeded. Un- Undeterred. Undeterred. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then we have the greatest final line to any movie. Ah! It's so good. So there's a nurse pushing him out of the hospital in a wheelchair and uh, Melanie pulls up in her big old like Holland monkey, monkey truck <laughs> in her monkey van. Yeah. <laughs> and she opens the door and you, she you just deliver says, it. Come on, Ace, let's go fishing. <laughs> and he stands up with a crutch and gets in, and they go fishing. And it, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> it's, just, it's like it feels like a joke final line because it could fit at the end of like any movie you could like it doesn't fit better in this movie than it would in any other film also they just like literally never address the fact that like his mom was murdered by this monkey these two other people were murdered by his this monkey his best friend was murdered by it they're just like oh no we're all fine now i can walk again so uh let's go like fuck by a lake well i guess the police probably would not get involved because they would be like okay well this guy was in a wheelchair i don't think that he could have committed these murders it probably was indeed the monkey and then uh, emotional trauma i'm sure he's got tons of but that just... but these were all people that he subconsciously <laughs> wanted killed so that's the important thing is that he was really not his best friend though not his subconsciously not his best he must friend. have no because at that point it was just jealous rage by the monkey he wanted the monkey to stop i see well it's a mixed metaphor then so great final line but i did allude to i did allude to an alternate ending uh that was cut by orion pictures yes. uh they cut it without george romero's consent there was an additional scene wherein we returned to the lab and Stephen Root's character, Burbage, oh. has taken all of the monkeys, but then he is knocked out by the animal protesters, and all the monkeys escape into the wild, now fully ingeniized and made to be evil murder monkeys like Ella. Ella the murder oh monkey. Oh my god, I love it. It would have been a great <laughs> series where you just followed different murder monkeys. Right, except it didn't make any money, and so they were never going to do this of thing Of course again. not, because every part of this movie is a huge mess, right. except for Stanley Tucci, who is a god, and the monkey. The monkey does a great job of acting. So where do we rank this in the Tucci canon that we've seen so far? Is it above or below Miami Vice? I mean, I would say 
say for right now, this is below his repeat appearance as the mobster on Miami Vice, but I would say above his appearance as, like, the concerned trafficking dad. And above his (laughs) non-speaking roles, his cut roles, and his, you know, one-line off-screen role. So I'd say, you know, if we're going to count his Miami Vice appearance as, like, as as one role, you know, then I, I would say this falls... Probably at number two so right. far. But I, I think it is a really strong characterizing moment for him because, first of all, now we're seeing him. Yes, he was sexual as, you know, as the, the mobster. He seduced the, the policewoman right. uh, in one of his two roles. Yeah, seduced. Okay, well, seduced. but even then yeah. the writers said that she fell in love with him as well. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I know what the writer said, but seduced. Right, but he's know, a sexual fine. being. And in this one, yes. he again seduces someone. He steals a girlfriend, but it's consensual this time. It's good. It's positive direction for his characterization. And we do get to see him shirtless. So I, I like a lot. I like it a lot. And shall I end with uh, with a little Tucci fun fact that I discovered? Yes! All right, this is, the, this is the Tucci fun fact. If you recall last week, our Tucci fun fact was that his favorite smell is grilled onions. Oh. <laughs> this week, the fun fact... Uh, is Tucci's two biggest role models were his father and Buster Keaton. (laughs) I love it. Oh my God, what a chance. Yes, he describes his father as as a very disciplined, creative, uh, generous man. He wasn't a bohemian, and these are all like his words. And then he's just like, also Buster Keaton for the acting part. (laughs) Also, you know... (laughs) That's so fascinating, because I would not say that Stanley Tucci is, like, the Buster Keaton school of acting. No, I think he does come um, from that sort of silent tradition of, you know, he, he's, he, he does have that kind of clownness to him when he's doing, you know, he did that trick in the Miami Vice episode where he lights the thing on fire, and he's doing lots of gestures and, like, dramatic facial expressions. He feels like he's fitting into, into yeah. tropes, sort of... Uh, uh, pantomimic tropes of of facial expressions rather than you know coming from like a deep place of, of you know he's not a method actor you know? naturalistic it is naturalistic yeah. I mean yeah. it comes across yeah. as somewhat naturalistic I... but I think it's more of a classic style uh, of acting all right I can see that I, I can accept this argument <laughs> um, those are great fun facts thank you so much David I I feel truly enlightened in the teachings of the tooch all right um <laughs> well, we'll we'll see you next time on yet another Standing Stanley Tucci, uh, where we will further explore the the pure monkey animal magnetism of the Stanley Tucci. See you then. Bye. That's that guy from the Hunger Games. Transformers: The Last Night. Beauty and the Beast and Spotlight. Writer and director of Big Night. Come on, Ace. Let's go fishing.